Hey everybody, just a really quick preface here. This episode turned out to be a long one, even by us and our standards. I know, big surprise, right? Uh, we're going to have to break it into two parts. The first part, we'll go through the intro through main focus. After that, we'll pick up and uh, pick up with the rest of the content. So enjoy the marathon two-part episode. Welcome to Sparks and Recreation, your source for info on community events, meta-analysis, and everything Hero Realms, part of the Realms Rising Network. Heroes of the Realms, welcome back to your favorite faithful, bi-weekly podcast on one of, if not your absolute favorite deck-building digital game made by Wise Wizard Games, Hero Realms. Uh, I should mention that the name of this podcast is Sparks and Recreation. I am one of your hosts, Matthew Jigma Limpa Rooks. It's great to be back. Uh, and ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we've got a full crew that's right. The SS Sparks and Rack is fully manned uh, with all of our cast members today. And without further ado, let's just jump right into the intros here. Starting with, of course, my right-handed, left-handed man, Timothy Agent C13 McKenzie. Uh, my brain is not working fast enough to offer up some uh, examples of armors, so we'll just skip that this time, bud. Aww. How's well, it going, I'm, though, my friend? Uh, it's going pretty well. I'm not left-handed, though, so I'm right-handed. My right-handed, left-hand man. Yeah. That would work. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, that was a joke. Remember, I said, you're my right-hand right right man. He said, why can't I beat the left-hand man? Yeah, I remember. I remember. That was a while back, though. No, it's that going well. Life is crazy, as always, but it's fun. It's fun, yeah, and and this is a nice respite from uh, the reality that surrounds us, isn't it? Good to have you here today. Yeah. Um, moving right along, we're going to hit up Sam Scrapforce Parsons, our uh, resident hero helper um, extraordinaire, uh, and also um, perhaps the <laughs> tallest cast member as well. We haven't uh, met in real life yet to determine this, but it sounds mm -hmm. like he might be a little taller than me. Um, Sammy, your hair, your hair might put you over the top there. My hair might put yep. me over the edge. We need to go no. like book on the head measurements. I like it. That'll Sounds help. Good. Anyways, how you, how you doing, bud? I'm doing good. Thanks for asking. Thank you for the wonderful intro. I appreciate that. Uh, it's been a crazy, crazy times, but I got two brews here, a cup of water. I'm ready to rock and roll. And let me just go. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Yeah, 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 is the anti-dubs. <laughs> it's a lot of liquid. I should have done, done that first, ready? but yeah, I might yeah. have to duck away and, and use the mins, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> Take it's your bets awesome now, listeners. Will I be gone for a segment or not? <laughs> we, we actually do sneak away for bathroom breaks quite frequently, even though you will be able to see a little bit behind the curtain now that we're doing video. Uh, for those of you who don't have access to the video, which, by the way, you can get 
if you're a patron. Um, Sam broadcasts each episode from the depths of his closet, which is why yeah. he's brought two beers into the closet with him so he doesn't have to go out and, and get them later. Smart way, way to think ahead, buddy. Um, yeah. Good to have you with us. Um, now, uh, continuing on as we introduce some cast members, uh, we have uh, one of our fan favorites, solo extraordinaire, always relaxed, always happy, um, keeping it real, Chris Double Dubs Walker. I'm on a roll. It's time to go solo. Hey, hey, hey. What is going on, everybody? Thrilled to be here on this evening. Uh, Yeah, just a really content-filled episode to get into. So I can't wait to give the overview in just a little bit. But rumor has it, Jig, that you've got another cast member to introduce here. Is that we right? Do. We do. We do, boys and girls. And by the way, before I do that, though, um, Chris, great job reacting to the uh, solo intro music that you got there. It's not easy to do it live, but we're we're figuring out how to do it as, as we go. Nicely done. Uh, but thank yes, you, um, uh, as Double Dubs has alluded to, we have a very special announcement, guys. We are going to deputize a new cast member for his uh, wonderful contributions, his awesome analysis, and uh, also extremely strong play as well. Uh, Cooper Filtrophobe Fitzpatrick has quickly established himself as one of the uh, stronger players in the game. He's a great community member, and uh, he has stepped up to the plate to really help uh, contribute to the podcast and to the community at large. We decided to give him a a bright brass star on his vest and welcome him to the Sparks and Rec crew. Filter my friends. Welcome to the cast. A platinum star, Uh, man. Thanks for having me on to the podcast as a regular, but I might have to go find uh, Cooper Fitzpatrick because my surname is actually Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald. God damn it. All right. Well, you know what? Great start, um, Jake. Fit, I got the fits right. I got the fits right. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. yeah. I'm just still crushed that his name's not actually Phil. Like, I had that not only in my mind, but yeah. in my heart. In my heart. <laughs> yeah. That I, he was Philly I, Phil. Just I, have to leave I, you I do have a question. What is, what is the, the genesis of your uh, in game name? All right, so um, getting towards the end of high school, I decided I needed to replace the username I came up with when I was like 10 for video games because it was very <laughs> much a 10-year-old video game name. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> and at the time, I was playing a lot of League of Legends. Um, so I plugged feeders into um, Google Translate and Filtro, which I'm pretty sure is a bastardization of uh, like filter feeders, um, uh-huh. came up as a translate for Latin because that's how all the folks yep. work. So. It's a terrible translation of like 2015 or something. Google Translate for Fear of Feeders. Okay. Is, yeah. Very nice. There we and, go. Uh, those who aren't aware of what that is, uh, a feeder in a competitive online video game when you've got like lots of teammates playing against each other is someone who goes and dies a lot and basically single handedly causes your team to lose the game. Um, so. <laughs> You're talking about, <laughs> yeah, about first person scooters or something. That's totally me. I suck at those. It's oh, yeah. the Lee, it's the Leroy Jenkins role 
uh, of, of yeah. the, <laughs> yes. the guy who just yeah. runs into the room full, full of orcs and, and gets slaughtered right away. Yeah, uh, anyways, the older you get, the more of a feeder you become as well. I've noticed when trying to play games online. <laughs> it's true. A campaign yeah. mode gets more and more fun. Let me just tell you. <laughs> so, so, so true. Uh, once you pass 40. Basically, it's Sam and Hero Realms. Ayo. Oh, <laughs> funny Ooh. times, Tim. I love that Ooh. joke. Amazing. Low, low. Um, anyways, Coop, welcome to the podcast. And by the way, yeah. uh, me getting your last name wrong was just part of the hazing process. You know, we'll That's right. uh, probably sometime around episode 80, uh, I will start to remember your last name correctly. So, you know, don't, don't get your hopes too high. Um, Let's just jump right into it, guys. We've got a lot to get through. Uh, Tim is first going to give a quick shout out to some patrons. Yeah, I want to say a big thank you to all of our uh, patrons that have been around a while and that do their regular thing and helping to support the uh, cast and Hero Helper. But also, special shout out to uh, Robert Dorgan. I don't know what his username is, but he is a patron. Uh, on our Patreon and uh, Phoenix 85 also donated uh, to us. So uh, thank you folks for that. And uh, I mean, you help us uh, do what we need to do. I know like the, the stuff we use to record the free account that we were using stopped being free and we got to pay for that more now and some of that stuff. And it just makes doing all of this a lot easier with uh, the help that you guys give and anything above and beyond like the operating costs, we just put back into giveaways and into the community. So thanks for helping yeah. us do that. Thank you so much, guys. We really appreciate it. Well like said, Tim said it, keeps, thank you. it keeps the lights on and costs are increasing to run this stuff. Uh, but for those patrons, our faithful patrons, you do, we are giving you the video now, which is a cool perk to get. Um, but yeah, any money, any extra money goes right back into, you know, prizes and other stuff. And by the way, even if we did keep the extra money, we would still probably be making out like pennies on the hour for the amount of time that we put into all the activities that we do. So there's, it's not, uh, it's not a ton, but we really appreciate all of you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, Sammy, let's uh, continue the intro here. Maybe you have a quick hero helper update for us. Yep. Not anything earth shattering, but very soon, my friends soon with only two O's, we should be seeing the additional uh, classes in hero helper. So we should be seeing stats for the necromancer, the bard and the monk. I just added them to the tech. I got to add them to the front end still. And currently I'm in testing in the dev environment. So Another cool uh, Patreon perk, uh, if you're a backer, a lot of times I'll give access to that dev environment to my to our backers and let them know kind of how to log into it and access it. It's kind of cool. You can get an early view. You can help me fix what I, what I broke whenever I tried to, to add these new features uh, and things like that. But that should be coming, um, I'd say, by the end of the week. It will be done. You'll see it on the, on the main page. Wow. So awesome. thank you awesome. all for your help and support. And uh, yeah, it's... It should be coming soon, I hope. Sam, uh, this is what happens when Sam isn't off like gallivanting in Spain or something like world. that. So. Yeah, yeah, I actually have time. I'm kind of looking forward to the winter because I think I'll be able yeah. to get a lot of stuff done. But how many I don't know. O's, I make no promises. How many O's in the soon for when we might see some filters for Hero Helper? That is 
way further away. I haven't even started. A lot of O's. Unfortunately. A lot of O's. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of O's. I have it in my head how I want to do it, but will that work? Uh, probably not. <laughs> so probably not. We'll see, have to see, it's, we'll have to see how it goes. It's fact, Chris, that Sam actually has filter phobe, filter phobia, and he's a little afraid of in- installing them. Into mm-hmm. the- <laughs> For sure. <laughs> right. And I get it. By the way, and Sam, honestly, I love Oh, go for it. Well, I was just going to say the biggest thing that I want the filters for is to be able to look at the data under a period of time. But that's yeah. one of the awesome things that Filterphobe is bringing to the table here. So we kind of have, uh, you yep. know, we have that in a little bit for now in a way. So yeah. it's all good. Thank you. And yep. great transition into um, what Filterphobe is going to talk about later. But first, I just have to comment. I love how Sam disguised the fact that he gives people uh, dev access to the Hero Helper stuff as like a perk. When in reality, they're just saving his ass from a lot of work. But it's yeah. still it's two birds with one stone, I guess. Um, that said, though, but yeah, uh, Phil Trophobe, and one of the reasons why he's agreed to step up and become a cast member is because of his awesome data analysis that he does with the Hero Helper data in his monthly mashup madness, Triple M's, as we call it, uh, which you're going to talk about later this episode, right? Cool. Yeah, so um, we've looked at the data from the last month, specifically on the Monk patch, uh, and we'll see what the release of Monk and I suppose the increase of play rate in the uh, Thief and Cleric ancestries has done for the meta. Um, mm. Had some bar buffs in there as well, so it's a lot of interesting stuff and some big changes from the two months before. Yeah, Awesome. Yeah. So Some, in addition... Something tells me the, the barbarian um, fortunes have, quite, have changed quite a bit too since the last update. But we'll save that for later. <laughs> Yeah, sorry. That won't be an MMM though. Uh, that will just be me talking about what's happened in the last like week on ladder. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. But so, in addition to the monthly meta mashup, the episode is also going to go over a what would you do, along with a looking for lethal. So we've got a twofer on board states to analyze on this week's episode. We've got a couple of submissions to the mailbag, and then in the main focus. Uh, we're going to be talking about abilities, your once-per-game abilities. So last uh, previously, we talked about cards that you can sacrifice once per game for their use. Today, we're going to be talking about abilities that you use once per game. We're going to go through all the classes there. Then we'll be sliding in with the monthly meta mashup. We'll be doing a little bit of a Lua Spotlight community roundup and then tap it or scrap it to close out the show. So stay tuned, everyone. It's going to be a good episode. Great job. Yeah, we are going to do our best to try to keep this under four hours, but no promises. <laughs> we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, also, guys, one, <laughs> uh, one other new thing we're introducing this week is a new intro song for What Would You Do? Uh, rather than embarrassing myself with a new dad rap this week, I figured we'll just um, cannibalize from last time. Here we go. What would you say you do here? Well, I'm the cream filling inside your Twinkie. I'm faction and deception right into crime spree. Marvel at the way that I spit these jams. I'm a small folk wizard treasure map in hand. Or maybe Olga Fighter. No, that would be lame. I put too much pride in the thinking man's game. You know, without a lot of draw, the game gets dull. And that's why I sacrifice my silver skull amulet. That is, it's a hell of a god. I use it all the time to destroy the bard. When he loses to me, he sings a real sad tune. But enough out of me. What would you? do what would you say you do here 
Boom. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. Oh, so I, 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 I want to hear the metal version of that, Matt. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> we need the headbang. So, okay. On this What Would You Do scenario, um, you can find it on the Discord. And you can check out all the different comments. There's a screenshot on the Discord. You can also check out the show notes to be able to view the image of this, which we're going to be talking through here. Um, and if you have a what would you do that you would like to submit, just reach out to someone on the cast via DM and send us uh, the full board state along with your deck and discard, your opponent's deck and discard, and the in-game menu so that we know what level and turn it is. So... For this particular matchup, we are on turn nine. We are in a human cleric mirror at level 14. And in play, we've got a couple of green champs. We've got the orc grunt and blood fang. We're all the way up to seven economy. We've already got a little bit of sacrifice in our deck in the form of the rot. And we've got a death threat and robbery. Our opponent, on the other hand, uh has not gotten no they do have a little bit of scrap sorry they have a life drain along with some more red cards they kind of have a lot of red cards compared to us to be honest <laughs> and on the row we see a taxation two recruits a valius and a torgan we're all the way up to seven gold and four combat so the question is what would you do here we're gonna be kicking it over to the discord to start things off and see what people in the chat uh decided to vote for i will lead things off by saying that torgan captured the majority of the votes here and as awesome as opened up the conversation by saying ideally the discard from torgan would be nice but Valius is just a killer of champ walls, particularly as your deck is not nearly as bloated as the opponents. They have a lot of low-level champs, which Valius would have for lunch. His damage isn't great, excluding Life Drain, so they'll have a harder time taking out the Valius as well. You could possibly Minor Resurrect Imperial Sailor and Row Punch Torgan, but considering no leftover Econ for whatever flips, it's risky to do that. Um, And then... <clears throat> excuse me noodle clarified that both of the starters in the discard pile could be resurrected logan chimed in saying that he would minor resurrect the sailor buy the torgan since the opponent doesn't have much to clear the torgan sack the sailor and get rid of valius and buy any bomb that could have dropped from buying torgan although i'm not sure how much econ he would have had to be able to do that there um this leaves the opponent with a lot of econ and little damage Plus, they're bloated, so the Torgan will stay out for a while, most likely, and all that's left on the market is more gold. Um, and then Logan pointed out you can do the same thing, but uh, punch the Valius and keep Torgan. Uh, a few turns, and your deck will be thin enough to stun champs by always pairing your blues, meaning the robbery and the death threat that we have. Um, as Awesome As agrees and you know says that we're close to being able to turn off the armor, noting that <clears throat> the opponent is on Phoenix Helm, which has that very high damage threshold. On the other hand, though, they have the Bless the Flock, which is really good at regaining hit points. So it can be pretty hard to shut that armor off um, at this stage of the game when the opponent is at max hit points, it looks like. Um, anyways, moving things along... Uh, as awesome as waffling a little bit, thinking he might go Torgan, 
but then still go with that row punch for sure. Kaka providing uh, some more support for Torgan, especially when the opponent has Phoenix Helm and Ruinous. Valius would just feed them with draws, he says. And that due to the ship spell that we have to be able to prepare the Torgan, it's even uh, better to go with that. Uh, if it was Kaka! my game, I might <laughs> I might also totally overpace and Divine Resurrect for the extra draw and the chance on a second gold besides Sailor for the Bless and keeps as many champs out of the shuffle as possible. But for this to work, I wouldn't have played out all gold but one and used one gold from the Sailor to buy Torgan so that in case I draw the Rot with Divine Resurrect, I can still sack the gold from hand. Also, this play style is the reason why I would keep losing cleric mirrors to Noodle. <laughs> um, and then Logan chiming in at the very end there to say that Redeem Runus and Helm are good reasons to not go for Valius and to go to Torgan instead there. So that is uh, the breakdown of the Discord. Some very good chat there. We totally appreciate all the engagement and people chiming in with what they would do. Uh, let's turn it over to Jigma Linkpo. What do you think of this situation, man? What are you going to do on this board? All right. Well, first of all, I love this one. This is a great, what would you do? Cause there's some, I think there's some pretty good options to go here. A lot of people, I, I was a little surprised to see all the whole kind of uh, conversation sway towards Torgan. Cause I think I actually like Valius a little bit better here. And let me explain why. If the uh, if Noodles Cleric had the bell, which um, prepares a champion, I would definitely go does. with Tort. Oh, he does, he does have the. Uh, I thought he did. No, he has the sailor. Isn't it a choice between the sailor and the bell? Oh yeah, no, you're totally right. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think okay. I read in the Discord comments that he he did have it, but you're right. His, that oppo- it, his opponent yeah. has it. He doesn't. Yeah. Yep. Okay. All Thanks. Right, so. Good clarification. All right. Now, if if I did have the bell, which can stand, which can prepare a champion, I would definitely choose Torgan because you can get two discards out of it. Uh, but he doesn't. So what I'm going to do is, um, okay. First, I'm going to use my minor res on the sailor. Bring the sailor in. Okay. Then I am going to, and the sailor gives you one gold, right? So now I'm, we're up to eight gold. Then, and hear me out, this is probably a bad idea, like Kaka said, but I kind of like the chances on it. I'm going to use my major res on the cult priest, all right? And Noodle kind of forgot if he had bought it or if it was uh, um, stunned last turn or not, but I think it must have been stunned last turn because if he had bought it, there would have been other cards in his discard that he used to buy it, and there isn't. So I'm, I'm assuming that it was just stunned, which means it's a target for the major res. Okay, so I'm going to major res the uh, cult priest into play, Mm -hmm. draw another card. Okay, and I don't really, the card that I draw doesn't even matter because now we're at nine gold plus whatever we draw. Okay, which is enough to buy Valius and use flock. And the flock is going to give, or the bless, or whatever it's called, uh, is going to give our uh, orc. grunt I, I believe that is mm-hmm. and the wolf guy and the sailor and the cult priest extra uh defense which basically means there uh our opponent's gonna have a real tough time getting through um especially to our non-guard champions this this uh, on their turn mm-hmm. all right which means we're probably going to get off to a nice early lead in terms of 
board presence and the econ that we get from these guys. All right. Now, uh, so we've got values. Uh, then I'm probably going to use the, um, I'm going to burn my sailor just to get rid of Torgan, just to make sure that uh, our opponent cannot get Torgan. Um, and uh, see see how that works. Okay. Now, the reason I like values, and I know this is a long answer, guys, but I'm almost done. Um, is I, I know some people are saying, yeah, the, they've got the Ruinos and they've also got the Phoenix help, which means they're going to get draw. You know what? I don't give a crap if Valius is going to give my opponent a few draw every once in a while. He does so much damage and wrecks so much havoc against clerics and their beefed up champions that it's worth it. I don't care if they get a couple extra draw here and there. Uh, I really want to use that um, fire breathing ability deal three damage to target player and their champions. Plus if I match it up with another Imperial, it's four more damage. I just really love values against against clerics. That's what I would do guys. Yeah, that's a good one. And just to add a little bit about knocking out that um, redeemed ruinous there, the, while it does draw them a card, it goes into their next deck that they have to draw the redeemed ruinous again. And I think that that is a, negative of the redeemed ruinous that kind of gets overlooked like we're so hesitant to stun it because they're going to draw a card but also they end up having to draw that bad card (laughs) again at some point so there's a little bit of upside there for sure um in the order of things we're looking for tim to see what he might add or do differently in this situation what do you think tim so uh, I like Matt's train of thought for the most part, but I think I would go Torrigan instead of Alias. The rest of the stuff, I agree with uh, what you'd be doing and everything. Uh, and the big reason here is I already feel like we're ahead. That your, your, your opponent has the life drain, and that's about the only real damage besides like a fire gem <laughs> that they have in their deck. Um, beyond the uh, couple of we need champs and whatever, unless they pair up that cult priest and this and that sort of stuff. But with Bless the Flock, I'm adding two defense. That gives Torgan a nine guard, which that opponent is going to have a real tough time getting through. Um, Whereas with Valius, they can still be attacking you and that sort of thing yeah, through it because it's not a guard. Um, And... Yeah, uh, it can do a ton of damage, but if I'm looking at the stuff like, and it it could wipe pretty much all their champions minus cult priest off the board, and by just playing that card, and and so it is tempting with that. But at the same time, I feel like we're already set up to have more damage. We already have free stuns if we're pairing up the the guild cards and that sort of thing, and so. I like that also with that discard and possibly like factioning or grunt with Torgan, like that synergy is really good. So I, I think I would go Torgan over Valius. Although honestly looking at how the stuff is going, unless my opponent gets a ton of economy and can buy a couple of big bombs or you know, really good mid mid cost cards. Um, I feel like I'm way ahead in this game anyway. If I were uh, Noodle, yeah. So I, I don't stuff. think it matters too much, but I like Torgan a little bit more. Although, yeah, I completely hear what you're saying, Matt, and I don't think that's a bad choice either. 
Sam, any uh, differing opinions to throw into the mix there? Well, I mean, with this market, I don't think there's much of a choice. I don't think with a cleric, this is just general advice that I got from Decat a long time ago, with a cleric buying recruits or, or taxations is a good idea because they sort of clog up your deck when you can already heal, right? And mm-hmm. so I think we have to just sort of throw the taxation and the two recruits out as they're on the market. They're sort of a market lock at this point to to shut down the market. And you might have to buy, someone might have to buy those to, to clear it to try to get something if they're losing. But um, for now, that's not the point of the game we're at. So yeah, it's really between um, Valus, Valius. I can't remember that. We just were talking about it a ton and I totally lost <laughs> yeah, the name. sound in there, Valius, yep. Valius, thank you, the dragon. Uh, yep. And Torgan, and they really both have their their bonuses. Um, Torgan having the guard is very attractive. Um, but I think in this case, I'm actually leaning Valius because having that three damage is really great. If, and if this is of course a big if, but if you were to get a champion, or not a champion, but a card that would help you prepare, um, I don't know if this is being played with dungeons it looks like it is um so yeah i think it is there's a, a few cards i can see that are unless it's cta um it, but it's if called it's, arms for called sure arms. We, i don't think we see any dungeons cards yeah yeah so depending on if it's being played with dungeons or not that that really would make like roll into possibility or uh merryweather or whatever her name is that's a possibility um Mar- but you still would have um miracle uh Marigold, thank you. Rally still the have troops. Rally the troops to prepare. Exactly. Domination. And then domination. So you, they still have some options of being able to prepare it. And to be able to do six damage to a champ wall is nasty, nasty, insane. So I sort of lean that way. But like Tim said, there's no wrong choice here. It, it almost lines up to personal preference. I, I will give a counter argument. You already have two green cards. Not that. You're a little invested not in that, wild. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, not that the uh, Blood Fang has a faction ability, and not that Torgan has a faction ability, but it increases your odds of getting the Orc Grunt to draw, which is actually really strong in a Cleric Mirror, because mm-hmm. eventually you both are scrapped down, and draws are worth a shitload. So, um, that's really nice. Sorry. A shoot load. <laughs> a boat load. An a SS lot. crew How about load. That? A lot. <laughs> I didn't say the F-bomb, though, so we got that going for us. Anyways, All right. so that's my take. Awesome. Good stuff, man. Thank you very much. And over mm-hmm. to Filterphobe. What uh, what do you have to add to this conversation? Um, so a few things. First of all, um, I can see by the fact that the undo button's not there that Noodle has clicked play all before pressing draw, which I think is a mistake here. Because um, if we are planning to do the mass res line, if we uh, go mass res into robbery and then the rot, um, by not pressing play all, that gives us an option to sack a gold from hand and then still have the nine econ. Um, so because we press play all, we lose that. It's low percentage, but it could happen. Um, so it's important to, I think, bring up that if we do want to go mm-hmm. for that, if we do want to, sorry, the divine res, if we want to go for that divine res line, uh, we shouldn't have pressed play all here. And I think that's a pretty good thing to have generally. Uh, if you have card draw like the orc grunt there and then phoenix helms being propped, um, you should activate those before playing any of your gold cards um, and similar. Um, so slight slight mistake, probably not important in the grand scheme of things, though. Um, but yeah, uh, I would personally go Torgan here. Um, my rationale being that this is a cleric game. It's 
this is going to go super deep. Uh, both players have sacrifice. So even though the uh, deck on Lugoy's side doesn't have a lot of damage at the moment, if that life drain and that cult priest faction up, it is going to clear your board. Um, yep. And that could be happening next turn. So if we commit to this, you know, giant board state, we pop the res, uh, sorry, we pop the res, we pop the flock. It might be cleared anyway, um, honestly. Uh, and my opinion is that when games go late, this card is the thing that really starts taking over. So that's kind of why I want to go Torgan. If this game gets to turn 30, turn 40, the thing that's going to make or break the matchup is probably going to be whoever has the most discards in their deck, and getting Torgan early really helps that war. Um, in terms of sacking the Imperial Sailor, I think that's the other one that's come up a lot. Um, if you buy Torgan or buy Valius, I think you should sack the other one with Imperial Sailor. Uh, as much as a Fireball might flip or a Tyranor might flip, it's far more likely that a card that's not good in the matchup flips. So, yep. um, you're playing the whatever uh-huh. flips is less impactful than the other two, which it happens probably about 90% of the time. So, you take that every day of the week. Uh, yeah, and that's kind of where I've sat on. And just bringing up that when you see two recruits and taxation floating in the market in this position, I think the only time... The only matchup that you're ever considering this is if you're playing wizard against um, fighter or barbarian, yeah. then all of a sudden these ta- these taxations and recruits come up. Then pretty much every other matchup in the game, you're always buying Valius and Tolkien here. Um, even even if this is a cleric mirror, it's still this this transcends matchup in my opinion um, for most part. Yeah, L- let me just jump in with one counterpoint here, or not a, really a counterpoint, but the only reason I would take Valius here is because I know I can get rid of Torgan and my opponent can't get it. If I did not have that option, I would go for Torgan as well, but I know I can okay. erase Torgan from the board and guarantee that my opponent won't get it that. And I'd rather, I'd have more fun with Valius, I think that's why, <laughs> I but yeah, great points. Filter. Yeah, no, this is great. So, uh, you know, the downside of chiming in last is that a lot of good things have already been said. <laughs> but the uh, one thing that I will chime into the mix that I would consider to be a point in favor of Valius, actually, is that if we look at the resurrect that our opponent has, they have the mass resurrect mass that will resurrect three champions. Um, and I think that if you go Valius, you have a better shot at helping you to deal with the time when they do end up going for that mass res. You're going to be able to, um, you know, assign that damage to the wall when they're trying to go wide there. But uh, I don't know if it would really fully tilt me to going Valius. I do think I'm team Torgan here. I do like the late game discards when you scrap down. I like that point. I like how we're already invested in green a little bit. Obviously, two of our three green cards don't have any faction abilities, but Clearly, you know, if we're on the trajectory towards buying more green cards, green has some incredibly uh, powerful factioning that it does. So I I think I would go Torgan here in the end. Um, And yeah, great call out on all the different sort of like little lines that you can play Mm -hmm. with both of the resurrects here and how you could optimally play those. So I think this was a a really great segment. I want to thank noodle for sending this in and we are always looking to build up our backlog of what would you do scenarios. So again, just another reminder to please send those in if you have them. Uh, Let's take it over to looking for lethal. Well, 
Welcome to everybody's favorite new game show, Looking for Lethal. That's right, we give you a scenario set up where there is a very intricate way for you to find Lethal, and it is your job to find it within 60 seconds. Can you do it? Let's find out. I, I love that we have DeCat doing that intro. Shout out, DeCat. You rock, man. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just setting up this, looking for lethal. Uh, we are playing as the monk. Um, this is before the balance patch, so we're still f- full power on the monk. Our bard is currently sitting on the other side on 13 health remaining with no guards in the way, so we just need to find the 13 damage in order to get some lethal. Right now, uh, we'll start with our skills, abilities, and armor. We've got the skill to draw a Taolu action from deck or discard pile, and then we count as having three more for the remainder of the turn. We have the monk ability, let's let's just draw two cards and heal 16. And the armor is if we have four Taolu actions in play, we draw a card. Uh, importantly, that does interact with our skill earlier from counters having three more. Uh, in hand, we have two Spring Blossoms, which is the one gold Taolu action. We've got the Horn of Ascendance. Draw one card. The next time you acquire this card, the next turn you, the next time you acquire a card this turn, gain two gold. We have the Ring of a Thousand Palms, which is one healing and draw a card. Sacrifice ability doesn't matter here because we should have lethal. And then we have a single gold piece in hand. In deck, we have another single gold piece. We have another Spring Blossom. We have the Staff of Meditation, which is two gold. And if you have acquired a card earlier this turn. The next card you acquire may be acquired at the top of your deck. Uh, then we have the Tonfuss of Balance, which is deal four damage, then draw one card and discard. That is a mandatory effect. And finally, Richless Fakir. Um, please don't bleep me. Uh, that says sacrifice one from hand <laughs> or discard, and then gain one gold for each card you have sacrificed this turn. Yeah, All right. good stuff. Looking All for right. lethal. So- all right, so guaranteed, you're basically guaranteed, and correct me if I'm wrong, Coop, we're guaranteed to yeah. draw everything in our deck, right? If yes. we use our If we use our uh, ability and our skill and the shoes or the sandals or whatever they're called. Yep. Uh, yeah, so currently, if we use our ability, uh, we use our shoes, we use Horn of Ascendance, Ring of Thousand Palms, and Tonfus of Balance. We have six total draws remaining, okay. and we have five cards remaining in our deck. Uh, we're not going to go through the discard pile because in order to find legal here, it doesn't actually matter what's inside your discard pile. Um, importantly, the monk damage is in your the monk damage skill uh, is in your discard pile at the moment, so it's the healing skill. So, yeah, uh, and I should note too, and I can't read the uh, text on it. What's it called? The spring blossom. Uh, the mm-hmm. no, sorry, no, the other one, the staff of righteousness or whatever. Uh, staff of meditation. Meditation. Sorry. Uh, that if after you buy a card, you can top deck something. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So basically we're guaranteed to draw all of our deck and get one more draw afterwards or a draw and discard afterwards, depending on what order we use our stuff. Okay. Um, Coop, why don't you go first? What would you do here? Can you find a way to get lethal? Uh, Yeah, I have found it. Um, So what we want to do is we're going to... We're going to start by popping our ability. We're going to draw with Horn of Ascendance. We're going to draw with uh, Ring of a Thousand Palms. And then we're going to play two Spring Blossoms. And for the fun of it, we're going to return the healing action from our uh, discard pile to our hand. 
because we actually have enough damage even with the healing action. Um, so at that point, that'll trigger Slippers, which will get us a draw, and we've now drawn all five cards from our deck, so we have an empty deck at this point. Um, with the Spring Blossoms that we have in play so far, there's two in our hand already, and then there's one in, in our deck, which we're just going to put on the board. Um, so we've got three there. Our skill has given us an additional three, so that'll be six damage. Oh, no, sorry, we can't actually draw the healing one because we have to... Sorry, my bad. Um, <laughs> we do need two. the damage. Yeah, yeah, we do need to draw the damage one. Um, so <laughs> that'll take us up to seven damage. Um, just from that one card itself. We're going to then buy a Fire Gem. Uh, the Horn of Ascendance will give us two gold. And then we're going to top deck a Fire Gem. And then we're going to play Tom for some balance. We're going to discard a gold. We're going to discard a Ritual of Fark here. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter at this point. Uh, that'll get us Fire Gem in play. Tonfars of Balance plus Fire Gem's another 7 damage, which takes us to 14. And that is lethal. He saw awesome. the That is it. So the real key thing here is seeing that you can basically use the Staff of Meditation, double purchase Fire Gems to eke out the extra 3 damage to hit the lethal. That's pretty awesome. That is a great uh, little angle to have in the in the monk belt, as it were, the belt of tools that the monk has. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so I, should, I should also clarify the two gold to buy the first fire gem is from one of your two roommates. You've got two gold pieces. You're going to discard one of them. Um, so you play a gold. You can either play the second gold or you can play Farkir and Farkir can sack a random card from your deck pile. So that's how you get the two gold to buy that first fire gem. Um, yeah. 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 I got it perfectly. And uh, just to for the listeners, of course, we will include screenshots, both for What Would You Do and uh, Looking for Lethal. And Noodle also provided a uh, video, which we've uploaded to the Sparks and Rec YouTube channel, where you can see him do exactly what Cooper just described just now. Great job um, finding that one. Uh, that was really good, Looking for Lethal. Um, by the way, it's by the time you hear this, it'll be too late, but... The best way to do this looking for lethal is to look at the picture first, try to figure out if you can find the answer before you listen to our answers. That's kind of the... That's the, true. Yeah, we should have set that up a little better. <laughs> but that's okay. Yeah. It's all good. Um, good job, guys. Yeah, I don't think we have anything to add to that. Uh, next, guys, let's segue in to Mailbag. Congratulations, Skippy. You've got mail. <laughs> All right, our lovely listeners, let's talk about the mailbag. Um, <laughs> first, we're going to kick things off. A note from Phoenix85. Um, he, I'm just going to go ahead and read this because it's really nice and I don't want to mix his words. Um, is there any chance for of a special shout out for Bork and Meowgan for their fantastic efforts on whose turn is it anyway? I know it's not an official community tournament, but it's created a lot of laughs. Been a great place to start from as a new participant breaking into the PvP big leagues, and it's thrown up some really fun scenarios. Just ask Double Dubs about negative enrage or the fact that Filtro and Daily just showed us that you can win a game with zero cards in your deck. <laughs> Their commitment to keeping it going as long as it has with no official rules or paper admin is credit to them both. And that is... Uh, awesome, awesome shout out, and I totally agree. Um, uh, Filtro, being that you're here, and Double Dubs, being that you're here, do you guys want to talk really quickly about the shenanigans uh -huh. that you guys have gotten into? 
I'll start since mine uh, happened uh, more back in history and Filtro's is more recent. But basically, you know, this whole thing started out as a way of pairing people that have the beta with people that don't have the beta so that the people that don't have it can kind of check that out. And it's, you know, Mm -hmm. very casual, just play however you want. Uh, But then Meowgan handed it off to Bork and Bork added like these conditional like try to do this and it's worth some arbitrary amount of points really running with the whose turn is it anyways angle of it and he even like started doing themed announcements which made it really fun so (laughs) definitely agree with phoenix for the shout out for what they did here but one of them uh i think was like whoever see how many how negative you can get your opponent so we just went back and forth continually passing as Enrage got higher and higher and higher. And then, like, it went crazy and, like, went too many spaces in the <laughs> integer and it, like, broke the game. <laughs> and it went negative. So, <laughs> yeah, um, that was our experience with it. Filterful, what happened with you guys? Yeah, so the uh, challenge this week as of recording the podcast is to win a game uh, having sacri- having the smallest deck possible. Um, so sure enough, Bailey and I started talking about how I like small decks and he loves big decks. Um, and that was a very <laughs> fun adult conversation we had going on. So many, so um, many jokes here, guys. So many jokes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, and sure enough, uh, Bork said, um, you know, you should you, you should have a random late entry. Because I'd step back from whose turn it is, anyway a while ago just because I didn't really have the time for it um and sure enough Daly and I both weren't on the roster um so I sent Daly a message like hey I figured out how we both how we can get a game where both of us have zero cards in our deck and we win uh and one of us wins do you want to make it happen um and sure enough uh there are four cards in the dungeon set that can sacrifice after having sacrificed a card so there's two copies of uh Demonic Touch Infernal Reward and Awaken the Dead um if that is, if you've sacrificed everything else in your deck, you can sacrifice the other, the second last card you have with one of those cards, and then sacrifice that card itself. So now you have no cards left in your deck. Uh, <laughs> Daly and I manufactured a situation where both of us got to exactly zero cards in our deck, and then we just had to wait for the enraged counter to tick in so we could one of us could kill the other. <laughs> so you guys were just passing a zero hand back and forth for yeah. a while. Yeah, we both we both had a deck fully sacrificed by turn twenty nine. Um, he was playing Alchemist because he doesn't have a half demon leveled up, and I was playing half demon wizard with Matt. Um, yeah, and Amazing. we found the Death Touch. We played Dungeons Only to speed it up, um, and I, yeah, I found the Demonic Touch, and he found the I found an Infernal Reward, uh, and we just turbo sacri- turbo sacrificed our decks as quickly as possible at that point, and yeah, very nice. Nothing left by turn twenty nine. No champions remaining. We sacrificed everything. Just had to keep pressing end turn because you can't do anything. The only when, when your turn starts, the only thing you can do is press that turn. It's pretty funny. Yeah, I that's that's really funny. I I can only imagine that Joel's appreciating all the like weird yeah. bugs you guys are finding through these crazy scenarios. <laughs> so super shout out to Meowgan for getting it started and work. Like really, dude, the the announcements are hilarious. I love it. Um, so rarely do I actually end up playing the games for whose turn is it anyways, but, but I, I always enjoy the announcements and, and I enjoy being in the, in that channel. So thanks, man. Which I think this is a good spot to bring up that, um, Bork is having to step away from it for now as well. And so that if anyone wanted to kind of take up the mantle of running this, 
Um, it's kind of up to you what you do with it. You can bring it back to its roots of just having it be about uh, pairing beta players with non-beta players, or you could, um, you know, take it in whatever crazy direction you want, uh, or do something, you know, totally new with it too. So that is out there, and and thanks to them for taking the time to organize it that they did. Yep, thank you so much, Dubs. That's a great addition there. So let's go back to the mailbag, my friends. I'm dipping my hand into the bag as I like to do on my on my free time, and we're gonna go and we're gonna find a little entry from Zimbu. Our dear friend, Barry. So let's read what Zimbu has to say. How about a segment on co-op play? I know some PvP players look down their noses at it, but there are co-op players out there. There is an opportunity for (laughs) for strategy discussion about each of the four bosses and how the way they play and alter the game impacts how you should play. The game is largely about problem solving and co-op exercises that muscle. And it really can't help with PvP too. Uh, for instance, Inquisition. All Barry's question is a little weird. Give me just a second to read this so I can translate. <laughs> ah, for instance, on Inquisition, when you play a card, you you have all the ally abilities that really had me ready to maximize the Bard uh, coat of Encores as as an example. Yeah, and good for the uh, Alchemist play too, who can you know faction anything they want. Uh, basically on oh yeah <laughs> it's insane for alchemist i love it so much yeah uh, Al- good, alchemist good is the best way to turbo level you can uh, kill the inquisition on turn five if one player is playing alchemist yep yep yep. great point and, and let good. me say that too that's a great point co-op i was kind of one of those co-op poopers i didn't really see the point in playing it because it's p i just like pvp so much better however you can level up your characters so quickly on the weekends with co-op play if you do it right uh, that it's kind of an indispensable aspect of the game now, especially when new stuff comes out or you need to level stuff up. So, yeah, that's great stuff. All right, now, um, Barry not only submitted this awesome mailbag uh, question comment, he's also supplied us the answers to them as well, guys. Uh, and we're basically going to go through one by one for each stage of the co-op, uh, Pirates, Necromancers, Inquisition, and Orc Riot, and listen to what uh, Barry has to say, or good strategies for taking these things on. All right, let's start out with Pirates. All right, guys, let's click on this uh, audio link and listen to what Barry has to say. Sembu here with some pirate co-op advice. Sacrifice is always really important in co-op play, so that should be priority buys. You also want to make sure and be cognizant of what it is you're leaving for the pirate to get for free. Sometimes it's worth not getting a big purchase if you can take some smaller purchases off the board that the pirate boss would get for free. You also want to make sure you do everything you can to take out the the non-guard pirate follower that's there for both you and your ally so sometimes you're in a position where you're a wizard and you don't want to burn your fireball well i always use it if i've got it to take out uh, that champion great advice all right so that's how you look at uh, pirates and by the way pirates in my opinion, is a little bit easier than Necromancers. If I'm with a lower-level uh, character who hasn't hit Inquisition yet, I usually um, go with Pirates. Yep. 
I will say um, one you, thing. I, I agree with you on that. However, if you have thieves that can steal the scrap from the necromancers, then the necromancer deck gets really bloated and it's not quite as strong. But um, we made I made the mistake recently playing with Barry, actually, where we were both playing thieves and trying to level up our thieves. And then we moved towards when we didn't have a steal and we moved to smooth heist. And then we couldn't do that anymore, and we got ruined by the by the necromancer. So, yeah, <laughs> make sure you have make sure you have that that steal ability if you're going to play necro. <laughs> okay, all right. Next, let's take a look at necromancers, guys. All right, I'm going to open up the audio and start it here. Zembu here with some advice for necromancer co-op. By far, the most important cards against necromancer co-op or sacrifice cards you need those to get your deck thinner and smaller and combined with high damage cards that's what you really need to be able to overcome the each turn bump up in health and damage that the necromancer gets for each deck's shuffle so it's really important now you might have some early turns against necromancer where it looks like you're going to lose because they've got so many champions out. But you just, just got to play smart. You can't overbuy. You got to cycle and get to your high damage cards so that you can take out that champ wall. And there's always a certain point against Necromancer when you can turn the tide, where you clear the wall. And if you keep playing smart, keep sacrificing cards, uh, you eventually can win. I've had games against Necromancer that go all the way to where there's almost no deck left. Uh, and if you've built your deck appropriately and you've really focused on the sacrifice cards, uh, then, then you'll even be able to still win those games. All right, good stuff there. Yeah, uh, again, Necros is hard. They ramp up that damage. If, you don't, if you're not careful, you can find yourself in trouble. Also, I'll just, I'll just add in here, don't try to play necromancers with two bards. Uh, just, good things will not happen to you. Just don't play pirate with two bards either, honestly. Um, yeah. Good point. Don't play I mean, anything with two bards. Two low level yeah. bards, right? Yeah. Which Inquisition, you might, you might be okay, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Inquisition is mean, different. Yeah. Let's be honest. You don't ever want two bards in your party because they're always going to be fighting for attention anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Nice well one, Timmy. Said. All right, uh, let's check out what Barry has to say about Inquisition next. Sembu here with some Inquisition co-op advice. Sound like a broken record, but sacrifice cards are really important against <laughs> the Inquisition co-op. But you also have to change how you think about certain cards due to the ally triggers for every card. Suddenly some cards you may not think of as highly valued become a lot more valuable against Inquisition. A couple that come to mind are a couple wilds, like Wolf Shaman. Suddenly that can produce a lot of damage. And really any champion with a draw effect, those are all great. Orc Grunt comes to mind. Um, so against Inquisition... They have a lot of healing, a lot of healing. And you have to sacrifice your starters out and get your deck thinner and focus in on those high damage cards, cards withdraw, 
and sometimes you have to be able to bomb out Inquisition. Now, certain classes have a leg up and can easily beat Inquisition. So, while you can lose, and I have lost a few Inquisition games, you should win just about every Inquisition co-op game you play. Great stuff yeah. from Bear there. I, I love how he said, I have lost a few Inquisition games. He's probably talking about, like, amongst thousands of times he's played against it. So his, like, win percentage right. is extremely high, I'm sure. He really is the expert and has some good advice here. And I know we already shouted out a little bit, but the alchemist is a bit of a cheat code against uh, the Inquisition opponents. So if you're like trying to help power level a friend with the real time co-op on the weekends, uh, playing Mm -hmm. alchemist while they level, you're going to be able to help them out big time there. Usually when people are doing co-op, it's because they both want to level, though. So that's not really too often the case but i had a question for you guys because inquisition is where i want to be the most when i'm doing co-op to level but it sounds or it seems to me and this is kind of going back a little bit that between pirates and necromancers which one would you rather do if you were leveling or it doesn't matter because you can't get to them at that level like if you're early and you can't do inquisition what should you be doing or is it I, actually I like the orc one I like pirates better. No, orc is. I think you have to be level twelve. Orc's the right? last. Yeah, yeah I think oh, so. okay. Yep. I, I, these are in yeah. the order. So pirates is level one. Necro is three. Yeah. Inquisition is. Or it could seven. be one. It could be three, seven. five, seven, twelve. I I don't know, guys. Sorry, uh, but no, they are. I think in the you're order. right. Yeah. So okay. Right. So between pirates and necromancers, I was gonna say it seems like you should go pirates because necros has that greater likelihood to go really long to go for really long games and if you're trying to get as much xp as you can you'd want to favor the shorter games right unless yeah, one you were harder. like more likely to win yeah yep it's just straight the only harder. time that i that that i wanted to do it was me and me and zimbu both had thieves and we both had the steel ability and we stole the necros like they have they have scrap in their hand to start. they have a death touch to start the deck yeah. so yeah if you can steal their death touch as varies emphasized through each of these the scrap being yep. so important okay so depending then on it, what you're leveling get a usually bloated. you want to go pirates but you may want to yeah. go okay cool cool, cool. nine times out of good ten stuff. you want to go pirates but if you have the ability to steal then necros could be a good choice too they're both yeah. kind of hard, it, honestly. It's it's rough. It's a there, challenge. Do you guys remember? There was one thing that Barry said when he was on the pod. I think the first time we were asking him about gauntlets and how he was power leveling everything. And if I'm not mistaken, he said something about how he would basically load up on games at level. It was this was before level 14, so it was like level 12, level 11. He would load up a bunch of games, and then he would play enough games to to power him through so he could prestige and then he could finish these games out with inquisition and get to a higher level and then just start back with inquisition right right and so that's, that's even that's easier strategy. now because when you prestige you prestige to level four three and four yeah right yeah and like the idea is that you send out all these challenges you have these games in progress at max level and then you prestige going back down to level four. But then when those high level games finish, you get the XP for them and you level up is the idea. But anyways, right. uh, Filtro, you had something to add to the conversation? 
Yeah, um, just special shout out to Inquisition. It can be a lot of fun to play at times. Um, there's just some really dumb stuff you can do specifically in Inquisition that you can't do anywhere else in the game. So totally, it, yeah, it's my favorite. Yeah, get really crazy and wild, and it's a lot of fun on occasion. Yeah, it is. And, and I'll mention too, you you don't even need Alchemist to do it all. I mean, Alchemist is one of the is definitely the you know the fireworks version of it, but wizards can go nuts on it. Uh, thieves, it's just an awesome way to play the game because you never have to faction anything and i'll throw this out there the custom script for lua filtro made that you can just play pvp with the inquisition effect being in play so if you want to like beat up on your friends with this crazy way of playing it's out there it exists hit me up on the discord i will challenge you and then you will have it yeah. Nice. Str- strongly recommend not playing Alchemist in that format, um, unless both people are playing Alchemist. And and you right. only really want to play super fast and be done. <laughs> if, if you want all your games to finish before turn seven, do that. <laughs> yes. Um, all right, guys, let's keep the ball rolling. We've got one more um, mode, which is Orc Riot. Let's call that one up now and see what Barry has to say about it. Simbu here with some Orc Riot co-op advice. Frankly, I don't really have a lot of Orc Riot co-op advice because I don't play it that often. But one key thing that everybody should realize, when you have that choice between taking three damage or having to discard a card at the start of your turn, if you already have a discard on you because of something that Orc Riot played, choose the discard because you still only have to discard one card. Yes, it's a bug. It's been there for a long time. And it's not a priority for them to fix, so I don't think they're going to fix it. Uh, other than that, <laughs> usual sacrifice high damage stuff is important against Orc Riot as well. And it plays a lot similar to uh, the Necromancer as far as you know a wall of champions you have to deal with. So some of the same stuff from that applies. To quote the Big Lebowski, I did not know that, dude. I didn't know about that little bug, <laughs> little bug action. It's a hot tip. Hot tip, Barry. That's you, what sir. the people are tuned in for, you know, is yeah. those little tidbits to level up those your game too. of exploding exactly. bugs. <laughs> yeah. and, and again, though, if, you're, if your main reason for playing co-op is to level up characters, you really have absolutely no reason at all to ever play Orc Riot. So, yep. uh, yeah, take, take it for what it is. No, it's just right, really guys, I played it for the first time a week ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I've only played it twice total. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, great advice. Um, Zenbu, thank you so much for your contributions there. Really appreciate it. All right, guys, let's transition on into the main focus. All right, guys, I will uh, lead this one off here. Um, The burning question of the main focus this time is when to burn your abilities, when to use those one-off abilities that can really uh, change the vector or the direction of the game that you're going in. So what we're going to do is look at each character step-by-step and think about the best time or, you know, different optimal ways that you can use 
those precious abilities of yours. Uh, let's jump right into it. Double Dives is going to lead us off with the Alchemist. All right, yeah, and I think Alchemist is a great one to start things off here because it really exemplifies something that's true of all of the abilities, uh, which to me is that the sooner you are able to use them to impact the game, the better it is. It sets you up to we've all we've talked a lot about like a snowballing advantage or momentum or setting your trajectory for the game. And so if you can use your ability early, the sooner you can use your ability in a meaningful way, the better. An alchemist is great at that. The most common ability that alchemists choose is major transmogrification. It lets you sacrifice a card in your hand, acquire a card with cost up to six gold higher. So basically what you're looking for here, like one of the ideal things that you can do with this, uh, the, the best card probably that you could get is rat swarm or maybe rune of resolve on like turn one, you sacrifice a potion, you sacrifice a gold, you sacrifice some random starter and you get basically the most expensive and powerful card you can get without having to spend any econ on it, and you've thinned down your deck a little bit so that you're able to see that card a little more often and a little sooner. So that is uh, how I would use the Alchemist, just like with uh, most of these abilities. I think you want to get them in. You don't want to sit on them. You want it to be affecting the game to your advantage as early as possible. So I'm using that Alk ability right away. How about you guys? Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the coffin there. Um, yeah. You just want to, especially Alchemist, um, you're sacrificing a starter card to get something that's better than a starter card, so you're incentivized to use it as quickly as possible because holding on for that, you know, the wait, wait, waiting for a Rat Swarm to flip or a Runa Result to flip and holding that ability means that you're not, you've still got that starter card floating in your deck and you haven't found that power card that's going to carry you through those early and mid-turns. Um, I wouldn't. Yeah. I would use my ability for a good four coster. Yeah. I think every day. You know, yeah. like you don't have to be feeling like you want that full value of the six. If there's a good five, if there's a good four, do it. Um, and even I've done it like if I'm up against a thief and there's an elven curse on the row, I'll Get do it, it to keep an elven curse away from the thief easy. For sure. You, you might sure. feel like you're leaving a little value on the table. But again, as Filter pointed out, you're getting rid of a starter card to get, you know, this other really powerful card into your deck. So it's totally worth it. I, I've used it to get a mate camp against a fighter before. Um, nice. That's a, that's a two gold, yeah. <laughs> or, um, or yeah, even a, uh, a healing card as well. And I'll say this too. Uh, you definitely want to use that ability to get something into your first shuffle. If you're waiting beyond your first travel, shuffle, the, your outlook is getting is looking worse. Uh, and I will, I'll also say this with the Alchemist, depending on your matchup, especially aggro matchup, if you're facing an aggro opponent, you need Imperial as quickly as possible and you need to heal as much as possible to keep your spectacles active and to give yourself a chance and using your ability as soon as possible is one way to do it. You guys have any other points to add on to the Alchemist here? All right. Next up is the Barbarian. Um, oh. Sammy, that's you. That is me. That is me, my friends. Let's talk about the Barbarian. So the Barbarian has an ability um, 
generally speaking, depending on which way you go, will uh, allow you to do a variety of things. Either you can do like aggro, stun the target champion. Um, you can make your opponent discard one with, I think, all of them. And there are some that do like four things. So you can do like you heal some, you draw one, your opponent discards one. Of course, you have to be berserk to do that. So you have to pay two with your skill to make the ability do all of that. And you can choose. Um, if not, you can choose to do like two of them, I think. Um, for me, I prefer to do the ones that do the discarding. So I like those ones that have like a multi effect. Uh, there uh, is also an ability to take when you get to 14 to take a second uh, ability. So getting a second discard, which when you pair that with the headbutt card will allow you to make them discard, you know, up to three. And when you can make someone discard three on turn two or one, it's a brutal combination and can really help you get a fast start on the game. Especially now that you get to uh, draw two sometimes if you if you do pop your skill. So having that all be true, um, that's sort of where I fall with the abilities. Now, when would I do it? Again, I, I alluded to it, but early in the game. Um, make them discard as much as you can. Or if you can, get a stun on an early champion. Maybe there's a shield bearer out. Maybe there's uh, a polar bear that's out or something along those lines. Uh, <laughs> kill that bad boy and uh, make them discard a bunch. So You, you don't are, need your ability to the kill the polar ways. bear, man. You can just, you can just blow on it. <laughs> and that polar bear's gonna... um, I, I will say this. Uh, and I, I want to ask you guys, what's your favorite uh, barbarian ability? Um, but before that, I'll say the timing... Uh, depends on what, uh, of course, what your matchup is. Uh, uh-huh. If you're if you're facing off against a bard or uh, a cleric, something that can beef up a guard or a champion, you actually want to wait a little bit. I think on before you burn that ability, unless you know you can really rush them and, and you have a good chance of uh, aggroing them down before they get set up. If you if you burn your ability too early against a bard, you could find yourself in in a world of trouble. Mm-hmm. Especially yeah, with the um, cleric, because you can't really rush the cleric down. No. Yeah. Uh, that is something I wanted to bring up. When you're playing against Bard, you want to be use the second person to use the ability. Because the Bard the Bard to win the matchup against the Barbarian needs to use its ability to get something big into play. Um and as the Barbarian, you need to be aware of that and then use your ability reactively to counter that. Um and then theoretically because that champion to now hit their discard pile, um it's gonna be it's gonna be wild before they get back into play again. So you'll be able to keep smacking in the face, and there will be a few more turns before they get back into play. Um, but yeah, if they jump, if they you know bring a target into play on turn two um, and beef it up to yeah. give it a, a big old eleven guard, you're gonna need that stun ability to get through it. Otherwise, that's gonna stick around and ruin your day. Totally. Yeah. All right. So which one is your favorite um, barbarian ability? Filtro, we'll start with you. Uh, I go the left side, which is the one that gives you everything, because I'm a sucker for drawing cards. Um, that's pretty much why I do it. Uh, I, I don't think I don't think that either option is necessarily incorrect or correct. Um, I think it's a bit of player preference, but yeah, I like the mm-hmm. healing and the draw card, and that does give a little bit of edge in the uh, matchup. I tend to find just because, as much as uh, the the right side does seven damage, which is more than the five healing, but the draw card. You can use that to manipulate your deck cycles, um, or you know maybe if you've acquired a card to bottom of your deck. There's a lot of because on the um, so if you go first on barbarian, 
uh, now with draw two, uh, if you rage on turn one, you will have seen your entire deck by the end of that first shuffle. If you're going second, you will actually get through your entire deck. Um, so you can use that skill to time uh, to flip your deck cycles and all that sort of jazz that goes around in that. So I find that draw is very impactful for manipulating some really creative plays with uh, deck flipping. That's good. Yeah, I agree. They're all pretty good abilities depending on your play style. I'll go next. I like the middle one uh, because it, it gives a little bit of both. You can pick and choose how you want to use it if you want the discard, stun, or draw, plus the damage. It's just a nice kind of middle ground. Uh, I haven't tried the left one as much yet, but Filtro kind of is, is talking me into it here. I might have to try to give that a shot next. Do you guys have any different favorite uh, Barb abilities? Anybody else? I've been going uh, right side with the War Cry for seven damage and then the discards. I just find it's like a good burst of damage. I see a lot of the utility points that you guys are bringing up for sure. I mean, I love card draw as well. I have not um, played as much Barb now that we're back to the draw two. So this was kind of my experience when the Barb was at the draw one on the skill was like, yeah, I just w- switched over to Warcry. When it was draw two, I used to do the draw one ability. <laughs> I know that sounds probably really confusing. <laughs> but now that we're uh, back to drawing two, maybe I'll go back to either the middle or the left side. I think like if you know what matchup you have coming up, that would influence which ability you choose quite a bit. So like if you're playing in a tournament and have a suspicion of what you're facing or know what you're going to face, you'll want to spec in a particular way. Okay, yeah, I, Tim. I, I I like the battle roar. Just uh, that's the middle ability, just because it's versatile, and so you can kind of you get the damage, you get a bunch of the fancy stuff you can do. So that's what I tend to go with there. Yeah, having but, the choice is so it's fun, you know, and the flexibility yeah. is really cool. All right, yep. um, Sammy, keep keep us rolling here. You've got the cleric next. It would be my pleasure. So talking about the cleric, when you're talking about your abilities, um, you've got the 10 heal, draw one, um, and res one champion. Do you res with that one? I can't remember. Top of my head. You do res one. Um, And then uh, there is the battle res, which is to res three. And then what is the one I'm missing? What is the third? Mass res. res, Divine res heals 10, puts a champion from your discard into play, and yep. uh, draw one. Then there's the Righteous Resurrect in the middle, which heals 10, puts any champion of with cost two or less from your discard pile into play. Oh, any champion, and then an additional champion of cost two or less with right. no draw. And then there's the Mass Res, which just heal, uh, reses three champs. Yep. So it kind of depends on your build um, and which one you go and what the timing is. And also what your matchup is. With Cleric, it's really situational, I feel like. Um, because, uh, I mean, I don't play Cleric that much because it just loses so often at the moment. But the the matches you can win, the matches that for me are the most fun are like Cleric Mirrors or uh, another match where it's really important what your timing is against the uh, the Wizard because they have that ability to pop a Fireball and take out your, your row. So you want to try to not use it until they've popped their fireball and then you can reply by um, using your skill and and resurrecting some, some champions that you may have just lost. Um, 
so this one is, I think, sort of dependent on your uh, ability to a degree. I think if you're going to go steal, uh, there's a really good argument for going with the Masteres of getting three champions back. Um, and also, th- that's true a little bit for Breastplate, because you could have potentially buffed up some champions to a major degree by the time you use it. Um, I think in a champion or in a cleric mirror, you want to wait. Don't use your, don't use your, uh, your ability and unless you feel like it can really like change the tide of the game, because as we all know, the, the cleric mirror goes really long and you know, you really need to start if you have, if you're at level 14 and you have a second res, it's extremely clutch in this situation because a lot of times what you'll do is you'll have both of these abilities you'll save your major ability for like a game turning moment but you'll use your your early res like almost immediately to try to get an early deck with as much econ as possible in it um so that's like one of the key things and actually that strategy it pretty much applies to every game i think um because doing a res early and having an early deck with lots and lots of econ, especially if there's something on the market row that you know you need to buy, um, is one of the things that's really important for the cleric because they have such a weak starting deck as far as econ and uh, as far as damage goes. So you really need to address that um, early on. And, and using your ability is one of the key ways you can do that because you can get a deck to that's almost all econ, which is fantastic. If you can keep all of your starting champions out of the shuffle, it's huge. So that's definitely one of the things. I wouldn't necessarily burn my my major skill on that. I could, I might, if there's something really good in the in the market row that I would I would get mm-hmm. and it would it that's would help. I, I, I would, yeah. But um, the minor, like the second res ability, absolutely for sure. I'm using that usually like every time. So. Um, yeah, I think those are the main ones. I don't think it matters so much for fighter, barbarian, the aggro. You have such a good matchup against those, but all the other ones, you really have to <laughs> kind of time it right. And uh, it's very critical in the cleric mirror, and it's very critical in the wizard matchup. What do you guys think? Yeah, good stuff. I just wanted to lay out that play pattern a little bit that you talked about there. So you have the minor res, which is when you get to level fourteen, and you can use that minor res to keep a follower out of your deck. So you are using that in deck one to keep all the followers out of your deck two. And then in deck two, if you have my, uh, if you have divine resurrect, which lets you draw a card, you'll then burn the divine resurrect to try to make a really big purchase. And that's like the most powerful thing a cleric can do. And that's why it can tend to like be in trouble in a lot of the matchups that we see. Um, so like, yeah, I love the divine resurrect. Not only does it have the draw one on there, but sometimes you can also get your Phoenix helm back online later in the game and end up drawing off your Phoenix helm. And then the champion that you resurrect is kind of like a third thing. So it kind of turns into a draw three. Sometimes the divine resurrect does, um, and matches the mass resurrect kind of nicely while um, not requiring you to have three champions in your discard, but still get three cards worth of value. The Mass Resurrect, I love that one um, for finding that spot in the game where you can totally just wall up and put up a champion wall that your opponent is going to have a hard time dealing with. So do you want to do Mass Resurrect? 
the very first moment that you have three eligible targets? Not necessarily. You want to do mass resurrect at the moment when you believe you're going to be able to sustain a champion wall from one turn to the next as best you can. So that might mean you're not even getting three full champions out of your discard. You might only be getting two champions out of your discard, but you already have three in play. So now you have a five champ wall that you then bless and it's huge. So with um, divine resurrect, I'm usually trying to do it for like just this concept of value. Whatever the best value is, is what I'm trying to pop my divine resurrect and mass resurrect. I'm trying to pop that to make a concrete champ wall is the big thing that I would And add, if you notice uh, Dubs really movies. doesn't talk about the middle one at all. For, for <laughs> no, we don't we don't talk about the middle one. Cuz you should never choose it. Yeah. I will say too I've seen some players use the mass really well. Uh but divine is probably my favorite just cuz it gives the cleric a little mm. more flexibility and the ability to reach for cards that can help them win the game by buying stuff early. Yeah. Um, let's keep them um, all, unless there's any major point. Uh, uh, Filter, what do you got? I've got some more additions. Um, so I'm not the most avid cleric player. Um, however, I have seen Rocksack on ladder quite a bit playing his half-demon cleric. Um, and every time I've seen him use his Divine Resurrect, it's pretty much analogous with how most people use their abilities, even in other classes, and how I've tended to use it myself, which is you're generally using it to draw a card to fish for a big purchase. Um, or whether that's Resi and Econ Champion or something, because every time I've seen, every time I've won a game with Divine Resurrect, it's usually because I've been one gold short of a Kristov or a Tyranor or a Gorgar, Life Drain, insert exact card here, uh, and that Divine Resurrect pops, draws a card. Now I've got that Sacrifice Engine, I can transition to my late game and I can start winning. Um, whereas every time I've seen Masurrect, it almost feels like it's a bit more of a win-more effect, where you're... If Masurrect is good, you're already in a good spot and you're kind of just using it to solidify your good spot. The problem with that, though, is the clerics aren't usually in good spots at the moment. Um, and a lot of the times when you do Masrez, you're if you're playing against a wizard or a thief, chances are their deck is probably good enough to deal with the Masrez anyway at that point. Um, just bad nature things. And if it wasn't good enough to deal with Masrez, you're probably going to win that game anyway, is kind of my perspective on the map. Um, like, it kind of backbreaks, but it's a win-more effect as opposed to a changing you from losing to winning a game, which Divine Res can do when you use it to spike and get that big purchase early. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's keep moving on here and uh, hit up the Bard next. All right? And it looks like... Um, this is taking... This is going to take a while to get through this. All right? And Dubs is just positive the idea to split this up into a two-parter and i think that's a good idea so let's keep going through we'll do bar druid and fighter and then we'll save the remaining five heroes for the next episode because this is a pretty uh pretty big meaty one but it's a it's a really awesome topic as well all right but let's go through and we can spend a little more time the next one bard is a big one because the ability kind of makes or breaks how how the bard goes um filcho lead, lead us yeah off. That's pretty much it, Jig. Um, Bard kind of needs its ability to function, which is a poor place to be from a balance perspective, admittedly. The problem is that the ability, I suppose the benefit for the Bard is the ability is so good and how well it's energized the rest of the kit that it single-handedly just carries the class and the relevance. Um, so there are two abilities that are realistically good on the Bard. 
Um, I know I differ from most of the community. Most of the community runs the Your Next Champion costs three less, and if it's printed cost is five or less, you can put it directly into play. Um, so you're using that on champions like Brolin, uh, the Elf uh, Treasure Seeker, I think it's called, um, and your other really cheap Econ champions, or maybe you're getting an Orc Grunt into play uh, or a Goblin Guardian for free, and then you're using the faction abilities. So if you got an Orc Grunt to play and you had the the um, Wild Tail, you could draw two cards off that. Uh, if you had, you know, Goblin Guardian and the Discard in play, you'd make your opponent discard three on turn one, um, and you're doing that for zero gold. So a lot of people use that one to create some early advantage, or maybe they want to discard a Terranor by three and buy it for five. Um, personally, I run the... Um, Bold Saga. The next champion costs one less, and mm-hmm. it goes a quite direct thing to play. So you can use that on six, seven, and eight costers. And um, personally, that's the one I want to go for. Um, there's a lot of times where you see a cha- an early market and it has those six, seven, eights. And I tell you what, nothing feels better than getting a Lumina or a Gorgar on turn two. Like, <laughs> that just ends yeah. the game immediately. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I also want to give a special shout out to Ritualist Fakir here as well. So good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the interaction you can do with that is if your opening hand has Summoning Drum and uh, the Goblet, additionally, you can use Summoning Drum, sacrifice an action from the market, sacrifice the Summoning Drum for a gold, you sacrifice the Goblet for it's, to get both effects, you sacrifice your ability to get Fakir in play, when Fakir taps and sacrifices, he generates five gold. You tap and prepare him and he, gener- and he generates six. So you've acquired him for three, you've spent two in your skill, and you've generated six gold from this card while sacrificing two cards from your starter deck. <laughs> um, so awesome. And yeah, so it's, it's a six gold positive play. Yeah, uh, eight. Yeah, so it's got six gold positive play. Um, and I had a game on ladder, which is still going right now, I think. Or I did that on turn two, and also bought a dark reward and an abjurat on turn on turn two. That's hilarious. Yeah. It's kind of I have stupid. a question, Filterphobe, about the ability. I'm with you on Bold Saga. I love that one and prefer it as well. Do you find that you wait to trigger it until you're able to protect your purchase with the skill that is gonna prepare it and give it plus four defense? Or are you not necessarily trying to do that? I mean, I suppose it's pretty contextual, but like how much does, am I going to be able to protect this by buffing it, play into your decision to use the ability? I mean, if I wait, my opponent's probably just going to buy it anyway, so I just let it rip. Right. That's yeah, okay, idea. that's fair. That's fair. If you had the chance to do it, do it. Even if you can't protect it that ne- that first time, the next time he comes around, you're going to be buffing it. So. Yeah. Uh, special, some other shout-outs for cards to look at. Um, Brolin is amazing to get. Uh, Den Mother Morga, um, Goblin mm-hmm. Guardian. So all of the wilds that have either Sacrifice built into their tap ability or into their faction ability. Um, you can often make your opponent discard three cards the turn you acquire that, uh, if you also have the Wild Tail in play. Um, so it's really important to look out for those. Sacrifice and cards that's... are critical, because the Bard starting deck is absolutely terrible. Um, so if you get your Lissas, your Fakirs, your Gorgars, your Tyranors, your Kristoffs, they're amazing to prepare. Uh, and then also just big champions like Roland that give a lot of value from their tap abilities. You know, your, there's also some guild champs that give more gold than the prepare abilities worth. So they're also pretty good. Yeah, you're looking for 
pretty much all the champions are good, admittedly, but you're more so looking for those ones that have a bit of utility from either preparing the ally effect. And the ally effect, it, you, you're double dipping on that because of the code of encores and your song that gives you that faction ability, right? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So good. Um, I think those are the main points. Any extra comments on the bard here, guys? Yeah, Filter got it really well. Um, this We're going to talk about it a little bit later when I briefly mention my um, flowchart to victory that I made up, uh, which basically says you're going to whether you win or lose with Bard depends on if you're able to get a good champ early or not. And that, Filter basically just summed that up very well there. All right, guys, let's move on to the next um, hero or a class that we'll talk about, which is everyone's favorite, the Druid. Um, the Druid has, hands down, the coolest ability in the game. Um, not really, although the artwork actually is one of the coolest. I, I love I love the artwork. Uh, guys, I don't want to talk about all three abilities because they're all, in my opinion, the worst in the game. So let's talk about the best of the worst, or the least worst uh, of these abilities, which I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's got to be the pure bear form, which is to uh, you sacrifice your ability card to put up to two woodland champions from your discarded pile into play, and you put the bear form guard into play, which is a whopping three damage for uh, defense non guard. Uh, it sucks, guys. It's it's really bad. <laughs> the old druid ability. <laughs> was a lot better because it would actually protect all of your uh, woodland creatures in play from being um, stunned that turn. Although I still think they could have been, they could still be fireballed and or stunned by uh, guild abilities. But um, yep. the, and, or the, the staff. Druid, yeah, yeah, sorry. The, the, the Druid ability really got nerfed bad. I, I might be looking, am I looking at the lower version of that? I hope, I hope not. I might have been. No, you got it. Put up to two woodland champs and then the bear with the three attack and four defense. It looks like it should be like a like, you know, the second level on the skill on the ability tree, but it's not. It's actually the final form. That just really sucks. Uh guys, the druid <laughs> lost its mojo when they nerfed the ability. And I've said this over and again. I really think it's the worst ability in the game. I can't think of one that even approaches it in terms of being this weak. Um, and it's one of the reasons why the Druid sucks so bad right now. Um, do you have any counterpoints to what I just said? I think that what fell off with it is that like the four defense doesn't really do a good job of protecting your champ wall in the way that it used to, because it used to have this ability to, you know, really protect. And now it's not doing that as much. You can still get an early econ advantage to like return a couple rabbits, try to get some more gold and you know try to make an impactful purchase but you're really not uh you know doing the thing like you used to with it so um yeah i I can't think of an ability that i like less but (laughs) yeah (laughs) and the rabbits also got nerfed at the same time so yeah it's kind of a tough one i wouldn't be surprised if we don't see they ran the barb back they like you know changed their barb nerfs i wouldn't be surprised to see some druid uh buffs in the future here they will and i think we'll see some of the data that uh 
filter if I was about to talk about that will back all of this up. You know, and I'm not saying I give the Druid a lot of crap all of the time. The main reason I do so is to try to get Wise Wizards games to buff it up again because it's just <laughs> kind of, it's all it's almost unplayable right now. In fact, I, I think it is unplayable right now. It's just, you can't yep. really win with it. It sucks so bad. Bring the Druid back, guys. Um, yeah, I think the um, uh, the Druid is like the case study that the argument that I've seen a lot on the Discord. I think it was maybe it was Ujig, but maybe it was Noodle. Um, the argument being, uh, it would be more fun to try to instead of like nerfing down these classes so hard to bring things up to like a similar power level. So things were, you know, stronger, like the same strength rather than, you know, taking one, like taking one down. Um, I think the Druids are real like case study in that because they, they really nerfed the hell out of it whenever they decided all to, at once. And they nerfed multiple yep. facets of it all at the same time, which really yep. t- kneecapped it. But uh, yeah, yep. hopefully we'll be talking more positively about the Druid in the future. But I think that's pretty good for now. Basically, it doesn't yep. really matter when you use your ability with the Druid because you're going to lose anyway. Um, um, all right, but yeah, <laughs> Let's sorry, keep... just adding in terms of when you probably should use it. Um, you want some rabbits or your hedgehog in the discard pile, and you know, you're using it to bring them back in to get an early econ swing, which is a, uh, a consistent theme we've seen so far. Um, and so you're using it to get that extra two econ that you need to buy something big. Um, in terms of balance, I honestly think the druid probably just needs some bigger numbers, and we can call it from there. Okay, good. Yeah, let's not waste any more time on it right now. Um, Timmy, why don't you end off our first half of the Burning Your Abilities main focus here with a fighter ability discussion. The fighter. Well, the fighter has three abilities, but really uh, you're just going to go for the straight damage. Um, the, uh, the stuff that lets you... Uh, well, I guess it. you can draw two cards or stun all opposing guards and gain combat equal to their offense. That's Whirling Blow. I know I tried that out for a while, and it can be really good in some situations, but really it, it lags behind. Uh, the middle ability uh, gives you six damage, uh, and then you may deal eight damage to a target champion, and you draw one. Um, I've tried that out a little bit, but not a whole lot, and I don't know. J- just the fact that it tries to go in between the other abilities and... Part of the damage is conditional to a champion, just makes it meh. So, uh, really, you're you're probably just going to go with the twelve damage uh, most of the time. Most fighters I see that are any good, that's what they pick. And mm-hmm. honestly, you're going to use that um, so fairly early to like shut off an opponent's armor or. Sometimes you will save it to get through like a champion wall or just for that killing blow. Um, I know I've talked about this like way too many times, but that that's most of what you're doing. And I go over like when to use it in my fighter article on Realms Rising. And that part hasn't really changed for the most part. Although there are newer classes where it can, that aren't, the matchups aren't listed in that article and whatever, but yeah, really it shut off an armor early. If you can, like a, a, a thieves, uh, shadow mask or, uh, you know, 
the Bard Code just, of Encores is a pretty high yeah. threshold. You might want to pop it on yeah, Bard early. Those sorts of things. If you're playing a cleric, it doesn't matter when you use it. You're going to lose if that <laughs> cleric is at all competent. I guess <laughs> other classes, um, that's pretty much what you want to do. Shut off the armor or save it to get through something. Because one, one thing with the fighter is um, it's just a pure damage ability. And so it doesn't matter if you use it early or late. Unless you're going to do so, it's going to make an effect on the game, like shutting off their armor. Um, yeah, so you now, might as well sit on it. Yeah, so you might as well sit on it unless you're going to get a good effect and they're not going to heal back up past the threshold. All right, everybody, sorry for the abrupt ending to part one, but don't fret. There's a lot more coming in part two where we pick up right where we left off, although we do lose Tim in the process. Don't worry. He's fine. He'll be back in the future. Enjoy, everybody. Stick around for part two coming up soon.